You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and oh, do we have a good show for you today. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m. All of our shows can be heard live exclusively here on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen live during our broadcast times. The show is brought to you by our advertisers, Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and our newest sponsor, Center Club. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, of CEOs running middle market firms to improve your decision-making skills. And when I did it at the open, I said, oh, do we have a show for you? I meant it. David Misch is the CEO of Community Bank. He's the new CEO, uh, having been there from the start of the year. We're excited to have David on the program. Dave, 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 Dave. Dave. Well, there we go. See that? Let's get, okay, I'm Rick, you're Dave. That's how we Richard do and David have left the room. There you go. All right. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your background. I've been in banking for 32 years. Um, I started out uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, working for PNC Bank. Pittsburgh National Bank. I've heard of them. Yeah, exactly. Did it for a couple of years and uh, went through their training program there, and uh, uh, that was good background. And then ended up at Lloyd's, which was a British bank. Did that for five years also in Pittsburgh. And I sort of got attached to middle market companies, so it's interesting I'm okay. on this show because yeah. I really sort of I thought I wanted to do banking with large companies and sort of fell in love with middle market ones because mm-hmm. you get to know the owners and whatnot. And so right. I was doing that with. Lloyd's, and uh, but that was a British bank in very parochial Pittsburgh, as you can appreciate. And um, I figured I had to get with an indigenous bank, and so I went with Mellon in probably '89, and um, stayed with them for 20 years. And so you're with both Pittsburgh National Bank and Mellon Bank, the two rivals. Yes, <laughs> wow, exactly. you know yeah, how to mix it up, don't you? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. I remember Pittsburgh National Bank when it was a local bank in Pittsburgh. Yep. Same thing with and that's Mellon. when I joined. Okay. So I joined during that. Th- th- yep. Those two have really taken a national footprint now, haven't they? Perhaps, well, actually, uh, PNC has, and uh, but Mellon was bought by Bank of New York. Okay. Uh, so but it's BNY Mellon now, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Okay, so that's still right. the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Mellons. Right, exactly. Yeah. If you lived in Pittsburgh, Carnegie's, the Mellons, yep. I mean, these are the... Exactly. Yeah. They started the Alcoas and the H.J. Heinzes and uh-huh. the U.S. Teals of the world, right? So It's quite a Big city. captains of industry in the day. I don't hear a Pittsburgh accent, Dave. Why? Um, I can put one on if you really want. Well, I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if the audience would enjoy it, but I certainly would. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll yeah. fall into it as the, in the course of the conversation. It's a very, distinct, it's a very distinct accent, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's very, very, yeah. very distinct. I can pick it up. Gin Eagle. You shop at Gin Eagle in Pittsburgh, <laughs> <laughs> All the Stillers what fans. Huh? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I work very hard to get those words out of my vocabulary. It's hard. It is hard. Okay, so uh, I was so wrapped up in what you're saying, I might have not heard you say, how did you get to California? Uh, I was with Mellon, and Mellon had sold its banking business because uh, I wanted to go into investment management. And, then it had, and I, I just like being a banker because I like calling on the companies, as I described before. And... Um, uh, as I said, Mellon sold its, its its banking business except for two, one of which was uh, First Business Bank, which is in Los Angeles, one of which was United National Bank in Miami. 
And so when there was a change in management in 2006, and I was running Mellon's private banking division at the time, I said, well, send me, right? So I was looking out the window and saw the sun and <laughs> all the good stuff out Take here. me, take me, please. Right, right. I'll, I'll suck it up and come to Los yeah. Angeles. It's, it's very it's, expensive out there. Nobody yeah. else should go. <laughs> exactly. So that's how I got here. And, I, and, and three things happened with that, one of which is uh, uh, I fell in love with the state. I think it's a wonderful state, and it's a, it's a great place to be. Um, second of which is I got into community banking, which is um, uh, First Business Bank was a business bank, but very community-oriented. Mm-hmm. And the third of which was it was an entrepreneurial bank. And um, uh, the other thing I like about California a lot is just the whole entrepreneurial spirit. I've done business all over the United States because I was the chief credit officer of Mellon for a time. I was uh, had a whole bunch of different things. And so um, I just – and I've done business everywhere. And this is probably the most entrepreneurial wow. state in the country. Wow. Texas is pretty close second, but this is way, 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 way up there. Right. So even today, even with all some of the issues people right. complain Those about. Those are so still the two economic engines for the country, no right? Question Texas about and it. California. And you can look over the past five or seven years and compare the success that they've had from very different models. Correct. But yet the numbers sort of fall in line yeah. as far as business growth and new business starts, et cetera. So it's, it's interesting that we can have two very different government policies. Yes. Uh, but yet – still get very good returns on those policies. Yeah, and it's, you know, at one point, California was the fifth largest country in terms of GDP in the world, right? And I think it might be eighth now, oh. but still it's pretty... Well, it's a growing place Pretty, for, pretty yes. formidable. Yeah, the, yes. All right, so we've got about four minutes before our first commercial break. Okay. I'm talking with Dave Mish. He is the CEO of Community Bank. Tell our audience about Community Bank. Community Bank was founded after World War II, right after World War II, by the Cook family. The Cook family was in the cement mixer business and and truck business and people couldn't afford to buy i know i know couldn't afford to buy the trucks after the war and so they started a bank to finance the trucks and that's how the whole thing got started entrepreneurial huh? that that, yeah very entrepreneurial and it always was throughout the throughout all the years and in fact it's still owned today in 2014 by the cook family still Wow. So, so they were serious the, about being in the business, right? No, it wasn't just a bolt-on to sell trucks. It no was question. get into this industry. That's right. And now we have $3.5 billion in assets, and we have, which is the eighth largest bank headquartered in Los Angeles County. Wow. And we have 17 branches. And we serve mostly small business, small middle market businesses, but we also have a retail component to us as well. So we really are a community bank when you sort of think about who we are. Right. Um, we're not just a business bank. We're not just a consumer bank. We are a community bank. And so, we sort of run it that way. So you're saying that a bank can be the eighth largest bank in, Cal- in, in Los Angeles, which is a very big county with a lot of big-name banks, mm-hmm. right, and still maintain its roots of being a community bank? No question about so it. So scale didn't? Didn't no. inflict, inflict and, and, and my job and the job of the CEOs prior to me is to make sure that that doesn't ever happen, right? right. If we ever get so big that we feel big, then we've kind of lost what our value proposition is. Right. So. That would that would be the worst thing possible because yep. your long-term customers would defect and who would take their place? Exactly. I mean, you'd, you're kind of be a, a bank without a home. That's exactly right. Yeah. Right. And that's a job. That doesn't that doesn't maybe sound that difficult to do to some of our, okay, our audience are CEOs of middle market companies, but... I'm going to ask you, CEOs, think back to your companies when they were smaller and some of the great things that customers and clients liked about you being small and how hard that was to keep in place when you get bigger. Systems, processes, people, communications, things just get in the way of being in a customer service-oriented. And a community bank is a customer service-oriented business, right? Correct, and and very, very personal, right? So it's, you know, when people come to the branches, they know your name and they've been doing business with us for 30 years and all that kind of stuff. That's And that's, I kind of like, personally, that kind of banking. And so I'm kind of jazzed about being yeah. in these, having been in these kinds of positions for the past 10 years. So, how, so do you, how do you feel about the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Is that it, A Wonderful <laughs> Life? 
Is that the, is that the movie? It is. It is, huh? It is, yeah. yeah he, the banker was kind of mean in that. Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he wasn't a good community banker. Yeah, he banker. wasn't a good community he, There's banker. bad ones and good ones, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. Mr. Uh, Potter. It, <laughs> it's interesting <clears throat> because after 2008, the banking industry's gotten a black eye, and, and a lot of it's deserve it, right? I mean, I, I feel pretty strongly that we've brought some of this upon ourselves. The but it's not the community banks. No, it's they, not the community yeah, banks. Right. It's the Wall Street banks. It's the big investment banks. Investment banks. It's the investment banks, et cetera. So it's that. But the, some of the regulations have come down to exactly. our level, right? So that's yeah. been part of the issue. Yeah. But it, so, but we've gotten a bad rap, and so even all banks sort of have. So right. in terms of the regulations and whatnot. So it's I'm on the I'm on the board of the California Bankers Association, and one of the things we try and do is work with the media and work with people like the L.A. Times and the Sacramento Bee to kind of get our message out and do things to give back to the community. That is part of what being a community right. bank is, is to uh, help out the communities. So, so I was working with CEOs of middle market companies during the Great Recession, and one of the hardest things for them to figure out was the change in the relationship that they felt with their bank. Right. Not because the bank, in my opinion, wanted to change, but to your earlier point, they were being required to change. And there was so much scrutiny that got put on them and uncertainty and that's such a trusted relationship between a business, middle market business owner and her banker. And when that thing, cha- all of a sudden, it's not you, it's me kind of thing, right? right. You're still the same client, but I got I got some different things to deal with right now. That was really hard for them. Yeah, it was. And, and it, you've touched on something that's really important for middle market companies is, is that relationship. And it's because the bank is such an integral component of their capital structure, if we ever pull out of that, you know, it's a problem for them. And so exactly. there's a whole bunch of things going on in two, after 2008 that, that really made things hard for business. We, I have to say, I'm very proud of Community Bank. And this has always sort of been my motto, is we stick with good people that are trying to make it through. Uh, right. We did not throw a lot of people out. We actually, and when things started to turn around, they had a couple bad years on their numbers. We would, you know, consider that and take that into account. We still do. Because, you know, everybody everybody had an issue in 2008. There's not a person that didn't. You Exactly. Right? I had a vice president from Experian who does a lot of credit research, and they said their research showed even the most well-run middle market companies saw a deterioration in their balance sheet and their income. You just couldn't avoid it in this economy unless you're in some safe harbor. I've got to take our first break. Sure. Okay. When we come back, oh, by the way, we're talking with Dave Mish. He is CEO of Community Bank. I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about mergers and acquisitions. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after these words on Critical Mass Radio Show. Commercial Bank of California, or CBC, is a well-funded, full-service bank located in the heart of Orange County. When it comes to safety and stability... CBC has one of the highest levels of capital of any commercial bank ranked in the top 6% in the nation. Commercial Bank of California was founded in 2003 by a group of Orange County's finest entrepreneurs. To this day, our bank is governed by our founders, including General William Lyon of William Lyon Homes, Alex Morello of the Morello Group, and Frank Willie of Fidelity National Financial, to name a few. In short... We are a bank founded, built, and run by entrepreneurs, for entrepreneurs. Not every business in Orange County should be our customer. However, if your business is looking for a bank that can assist in finance, production, analytics, and risk management, there's no better bank to choose. To understand the true power of how Commercial Bank of California can help you achieve your goals, give us a call at 714-431-7000. Or visit us on the web at www.combancal.com. Member FDIC. 
Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. And welcome back to this episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and Dave Mish is our, is our guest. He's CEO of Community Bank. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 12,000 shows during the last 30 days. And we here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows, of course, can be heard live here on radio station octalkradio.net, broadcasting from their state-of-the-art studio in the Tech Space facility in Costa Mesa, California, where it's very warm and sunny outside today. But that's always the case. It'd be great to be a weatherman out here. Uh, or rebroadcast anytime on iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. Dave, before the break, I said I was going to ask you a little about uh, mergers and acquisitions. Sure. From your experience right now in the space of middle market companies, wh- what are you seeing as far as, as it relates to mergers and acquisitions? Um, I think there are a lot of owners and uh, entrepreneurs that are getting up there in age and thinking about it now. Right. But it depends, right? So it depends on where they are in their life cycle and how they can get them financed and whatnot. There's a lot of activity from private equity firms in bigger companies um, and chasing bigger transactions. Not so much as so much in the small to middle market companies yet. Right. And, you know, my my direct experience and guess we've had here on the radio show, the recession set a lot of people's retirement plans back, right? Correct. They were, on a, correct. They were on a, right. a financial glide path, glide path where they were going to be able to exit the business with good valuation. If they had a piece of real estate, that made it even better. Right. And then all of a sudden, everything that appeared to be valuable became less valuable. Right. Although, ironically, right, the market's back, and real estate prices are kind of crazy right now. So if, if that were the case, things would be pretty sweet for most people but right. you know i'm not you know but you still lay your last three years of trailing financials and you still have a little bit of the effect of the downturn right You're and, and the other thing is i think multiples right the the the, the, the mm. what you pay for a, a company that you're buying 
I think the multiples, because we're looking at growth in kind of the 2 to 3%, pretty tepid growth as, a, in as an economy, right. they might not get the price they want out of the business if they do want to sell it right now. So that's another factor, uh, I think, which is kind of keeping it tamped down a little bit. And it's, rates are low, though. I mean, it's a good time yeah. to do it if you want to, right. if somebody's going to lever up to do an acquisition. So. Right. Well, and it's, um, it's such an important part of most business owners' portfolio. You know, if you own a middle market company and you look at your assets, right. you tend to be overweighted. Right. In your own business, right? Right. Well, when I ran First Business Bank, and it was owned by Bank of New York Mellon, as we talked about before, which is a big wealth management group, we would talk about private companies as being um, uh, being wealth companies, but their wealth just wasn't liquid. It was in the business, right? It's right. the same kind of concept. They're either right. liquid or they're, the wealth is in the business. Yeah, so. if you think your house is an illiquid asset, own a business. Right. Right? Exactly. Unless you find a strategic buyer or something. And, right. and, and, and we've had succession people who help companies with succession strategies. As a matter of fact, we have a uh, host on this radio uh, station that uh, hosts his regular show called The Exit Coach, Bill Black, who he talks about hmm. that. And it's really a multi-year plan right. to exit your business, isn't right. it? You that's can't just wake up one day and go... No, put, that's right. Put it on Craigslist. Right. And <laughs> yeah, and especially if you have financial goals you're trying to achieve by selling it, right? So, right. So, and people might be... you know, Acquisitions are risky. Right, I think I read something where one out of ten actually work, right? So you actually make money on your investment. So if if you're growing at ten percent and you think the market, the economy is growing at ten percent, you think it's going to be like that for five years, your risk is much less because the rising tide lifts all boats. Right. Than if you're growing at two and you you know and you, you don't know whether it can slip back. There's still concern out there, in my opinion, of things potentially slipping back or growing. So like we had a kind of a spurt and then we kind of had a tapering off in the last three months. Right. Is, right. And right. I think so. People look at that and say. I don't want to pay five times earnings for this thing or six times, right? They're right. afraid to maybe. Yeah, there's a greater sensitivity to risk. I think that's now. exactly right. I think that's exactly right. So what role does does a banker, in your experience, what role does your bank, should your banker play if you're a middle market CEO and you're beginning the deliberations of selling your business? I mean, you're still maybe years away from selling it, but what role can your bank or other bankers like you play in their life? Well, one of the things we can do is talk to them about um, – which would be the most logical, first of all, hooking them up with somebody who could sell them, so okay. to help them sell, right? So some kind of a banker that would be able to, investment banker, right, that mm -hmm. would do that kind of a thing. Second would be, which even before that, perhaps, you would probably talk about um, why they want to do what they want to do, right? Because it's pretty, and challenge them and ask them why they want to do that. Um, the other thing would be to think about where they might want to consider um, selling in order to get the best value for that. And then from a practical banking perspective would be just how much is financeable, mm -hmm. right? Because a buyer might not want to pay all cash. They might want to lever up the balance sheet a little bit to do like a leverage buyout, we call it, or a highly leveraged transaction. And a banker could advise an owner as to how much money could somebody pay if they were going to just lever up the balance sheet a little bit. So it's like a three-to-one, four-to-one kind of a thing, right? Mm -hmm. So you, we could kind of do that for them and help them with that. Well, and you that's great because... Um, the relationship that a middle market CEO has with her banker is very transparent, right? Because you get to right. see all the good stuff. I right. Mean, right. Put the marketing slides on the website aside. Let, let's look at your financials <laughs> and your bank account right. and right. You know, your receivables. And No, that's right. That's it, right. And so helping them to look, because time is your friend when you're selling your business, right? If, if you can clean some things up three or four or five years prior to the actual transaction, you're a lot better off, aren't Correct. you? Correct. That's a whole other thing, right? So, so that you bring up a good point about financial statements. So, you know, you may want audited. If you prepare them yourselves, you may want reviewed. A banker can give you a perspective on what people are going to look at and the quality of information they're right. going to need to make kind of make that decision. Right, because here's where you're going to take a haircut. You're going to take a haircut here. Can we start to put plans together to remove that from 
retarding your business value. Right. And there's lots of different ways to do an acquisition we can help people with, too. So, for example, um, an employee stock ownership plan where you mm. sell to your employees. That's kind of a nice way to do it. It is um, nice. It is good because if they're concerned about their staff and whatnot, sometimes people are, which thank goodness they are. Um, we can kind of help them with that kind of thing. So that's, that's excellent. A, so there's different ways to look at things and do things, right? Okay. You can you can you can um, you can just take some of the equity off the table. It depends on their goals. A lot of people that are selling or running companies haven't maybe thought out about exactly why. I had a cousin back in Pittsburgh that um, was thinking about this, and we sort of sat down because he's my cousin. I was helping him out. Right. Is he a Steelers fan? <laughs> of course. Is there anybody that lives in Pittsburgh that's not? There's, if they're, I, they're not alive if they I feel are. bad for the Browns fans, <laughs> the poor old Browns fans. Are, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. It's exactly. a hard life. It's a tough life. So, so you know, so we sort of sat down. He ended up selling it to his children through, uh, through um, uh, a loan that, gets amortized to the cash flow of the company and transition it to his kids over time. So that's the kind of thing we can help people do. What are the, right. what are the personal factors involved in it, too? So. And sometimes I imagine the banker is the first person that has to deliver the bad news to the business owner of a middle market company that I know what you think it's worth. <laughs> I don't think it's quite worth that. Well, that's what, well, I think where it comes in to play about how much it can be levered up. Now, if somebody's going to come in and just write a check for it, you know, it could like be. a strategic buyer. Correct, exactly. Yeah. Who sees intrinsic value and there's, yeah, the but multiples you know, kind of go to the side a little right, bit. But right, but you know what happens in acquisitions? A whole bunch of people lose their jobs, right? So right. so if, if there is a strategic buyer, and that is a way that the owner wants to optimize profits, he sort of has to understand, and maybe take it, maybe he cares, maybe he doesn't. But if it's a strate- strategic buyer, the odds of, a lot of those guys having their jobs are probably wow. de minimis. So that's you no, know, I never, th- I never thought of that. And I like the big words you use. It must be that you know, living in Pittsburgh, because I know <laughs> we use a lot of big words there in Pittsburgh. But you know, I never thought about that. The emotional toll that that must take on the business owner. Because on yeah. one hand, you can get a higher value, and up, but on the other hand, you're going to maybe take out some very loyal and long-term employees. Well, you know, process. this is very personal for me. I've been, I've been with, I've been sold three times, and um, I had to lay people off. All those times, I know it's coming, and yeah, I don't like I don't like it at all, and so that's a very kind of distasteful thing. You got to do with your. We have synergies. The merger will have synergies. Yes, synergies means you're screwed. (laughs) We just don't want to tell you which one of you is gone yet. Exactly, but somebody's leaving this table. Exactly. Yeah, synergies. It sounds sounds good. Yeah, Yeah. we we have duplicate effort here. Exactly. We don't need their accounting department. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, Dave Mish is our guest, and we are going to take our second commercial break. That we spent that whole. Uh, section talking about mergers and acquisitions, and I hope and I think if you're running a middle market company, take away this message. If you're ever going to think about selling your business or retiring, start thinking about what you're going to do now because time is your friend if you plan for it. All right, we're going to take our second commercial break, and we're going to talk a little bit more about what you're doing at Community Bank since you've taken over the helm, okay? So Dave Mish is our guest, and we'll be back after these words from our commercial sponsors. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. 
If you are an Orange County CEO or a business owner, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have had these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions through the power of peer learning. These are groups of peers who are running businesses just like you. CEO Peer Groups provides a great sounding board to test fresh ideas and new concepts, review your strategic plans and tactical goals, and present issues and opportunities for a critical discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, and improved business results. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn about our CEO peer groups. CEO peer groups is a registered trademark of Critical Mass for Business. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. My guest today is Dave Mish. He's our focus guest. We're featuring him for the entire hour. He is CEO of Community Bank. And before we get back to our interview, I'd like to let you know that our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from our guests. If you're interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on our radio program may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of the radio show. Last month, we delivered over 37,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions. If you'd like to learn more, contact Rose Chamora at 951-515-4661. That's 951-515-4661. All of our shows can be found on our website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. Okay, Dave, uh, before the break, I said I was going to ask you to talk to our audience a little bit about what have you been doing since you became the CEO of Community Bank. Well, the first thing I always try and do, I always tell people when they hire me, I've run four banks, as I mentioned before, and I always tell them, if you want me to come in and sort of kind of do things in a, in a hasty way, that's generally not going to happen. All I do is sort of move, move pretty fast. Okay. So, um, but um, I'm, I've been getting around and touring all 17 branches and meeting I just heard the Pittsburgh. Did you hear the Pittsburgh in there? Did you the, hear it? The touring. Yeah. Ooh. 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 Sorry, guys. <laughs> let's, let's reset. So what have you been doing since you took over the bank? <laughs> I've been turning the <laughs> I've been turning the branches yeah. <laughs> and that and that. <laughs> so yeah, no. So I've been I've been learning, right? right. I, 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 to me, it's sort of presumptuous for me to come in. All, all banks are unique. Banks are made made up of people. Everybody's money's the same. All the branches are kind of the same. It's all bricks and mortar. It's all sort of the same stuff. Same computers, same operating system, same all that kind of stuff. The only difference is the people and the clients, right? right? And the relationship that they have, right? correct? And the interaction between them. And so that what I've been doing for the last hundred days, and it's basically been a hundred days. Is um, I've been getting out and meeting everybody, finding out what's going on, and finding out what needs to be done. And now we're working on a strategic plan and developing kind of a direction for the company and tweaking what we have and that kind of thing. So I, I will step back. I went on the board before I ran the company. I went on the board like last summer. I don't know if you knew that. But, I did not know that. But no. uh, so I went on the board last That's summer. Good. Yeah, it was actually good because um, it gave me a chance to sort of get kind of the lay of the land before right. it even happened. So it just sort of worked out. I was very fortuitous that it worked out that did way. Did you know you were going to become? 
the I, did, I did not. Okay, it so just, you were on the board as a board member. Correct. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And that led to this. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, you know those? You said you've been, it's 100 days, and congratulations. Um, any new executive president, leader that I that I coach or work with, I tell them, you need to have a 100-day plan. Yeah, exactly. Right? There's something, and, and what you're doing, getting out, meeting everybody, establishing a relationship with your workforce, it, it, it's so critical. Right. That's exactly right. I mean, the key, uh, one of the things we were going to talk about is, you know, what's my job? One of my big jobs is to be the leader. Right and to provide vision and provide focus and do this kind of thing. I can't do that unless I have a personal relationship with the employees and and the clients and those kinds of things. So that's kind of what I've been doing the last hundred days. And, and and there's a lot of other things going on. A lot of things. That, again, we're, we're, it's a very good bank, our bank. And so it's not a question of do we need to have this massive overhaul. It's just a question of doing some tweaks here and some tweaks there and being more efficient at this or a little better at that or providing this kind of product here. So it's small stuff, but it'll be impactful. I'm sure just through your interactions in your first 100 days visiting the 17, is that mm-hmm. 17 yep, branches, 17 branches yeah. um, you've also learned some ideas of things that could be done that maybe weren't on your radar screen before you met all I those learned something. At, I learned something at every branch I go to. Right? Isn't that the and truth? Yeah, yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. just willing to listen as a leader. Yeah, right? exactly. So interestingly today, I said, I've been to, uh, when, I, when I was done with the seventh branch, I, I sort of, I had, I keep this list of stuff so so we can kind of collate it and kind of work work on the projects when, when we kind of get it all done. And I, so after branch seven, I kind of didn't learn some many new things, right? And I said to the guys today, I, was, I, I did the last branch today, ironically, in Corona. And um, I said, if you can tell me one thing, I'll buy pizza for the whole branch. Okay. And when you know, they told me that there are more millionaires in Corona than anywhere in Ontario. And I, and I thought, hey, that's pretty good. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that either. So I thought that was pretty neat thing. So pizza, pizza for Friday. Everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Pizza all around. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> and that's a story that builds culture. Yeah, Exactly. So. That's a folklore story that yep. people will hopefully remember and tell yep. fondly or whatever. It's yeah. I've had so many, and it's important, right, to factor into my thinking. If I'm thinking about our Redlands branch, which is a great little branch, it's one of my favorites actually, because okay. it's really kind of it's it's in a rural county. It's just kind of real down to earth people. It's a really nice nice place to go. So it was just kind of an interesting insight. It's it's apparently a whole bunch of wealthy people set out there didn't want to go as far as the desert, so they kind of settled in Redlands, and I. I get it. It's a nice place. Right, it is. <laughs> right. So, yeah, okay. Well, that's great. And, yeah. and I, I was just going to say that we've, we've interviewed a number of people who are experts at helping middle market companies develop employee engagement. And, and I've read books on the subject. And sometimes I step away from those conversations and I think, wow, you just have to be a decent person. Yeah, I agree with that. Care more about their employees than you do about your bottom line. There's or, no question. You know, I mean, about not that. not disproportionately where you're Correct. crazy, but you know what I mean. It can't all be in service of the man. Yeah, it, and also, and also, I, I mean, I've sort of found that I'm, I'm very transparent with people. Right. Right. I mean, there's certain things you can't do. say. Say, you know, you, you're talking about the small businesses. If the owner was selling their business. Well, he's not going to go tell his employees that the company's for sale. He can't possibly do that. Right. But all sorts of other stuff he can tell them. But he can communicate with him what the numbers might be or what the strategies are. And that gets people engaged and gets people involved and shows that you care enough about them to give them context about why they're doing their jobs. Right. So it really is kind of being a real person, right? right. And that's what it's about. And what I've learned um, in my career is they're smart people. Yeah. They figure it right. out. There's they no totally secrets. And then you're walking yep. around the only one thinking it's a secret. And everybody yep. else, as soon as you walk by, they go, hey, yeah. the other thing that I see. Well, you look like a dope, right? Because right. if, right. if you don't know. <laughs> you mean right. personally, me? Don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> like, that's a little hurtful. Today. I know you're comfortable on the show and all, but we're not in Pittsburgh anymore. We'll talk to each other out here in California yeah. that way. So, so you know, I mean, if you if you don't know that kind of stuff and you're the leader, then it's like the emperor's new clothes, right? right? It's that kind of the thing. The buffoon, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't think we know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Especially with social media and everything else. No question. And everybody has somebody they trust 
with a secret. Right. So regardless of how tight you think you control it, yep. it just bleeds. And so it's just yep. better to get ahead of it. No question. Right? Get up front of the band, yep. lead the parade. Yep. Because maybe the, the idea that you said before, which is a, a buyout by the employees, may be the exact best option for your company. That's correct. That's exactly right. So, so engage them. Yep. All right. All right. Dave Mish is our thoughtful guest. He's the CEO of Community Bank, and uh, we've had a wide-ranging conversation. I'm going to ask you the guiding principle question, Dave, and we've asked it for years on the show. We've written several books with the answers of our guests, and uh, we're about to publish our latest version, Volume 3. Of all the things you've learned in your business, is there a guiding principle, kind of an overarching philosophy that you're using as you, you know, you said you've led three banks now, this is your third, as you lead these banks to better growth and, you know, better future? Yeah, I, uh, it's very clear, and it's been, it's been sort of my mantra for a long, long time, which is do the right thing always. And it sounds stupid, but it is sort of related to what we just spoke about. So I don't think if you, if you don't have integrity and you can't trust each other and you can't do those kinds of things, you, you can't do anything. Because if, if, if I'm talking to you and everything I said to you is a lie, how do you know how to react to me? How do you know how to interact with me? How do you know how we should work together? So it really sort of does start with integrity and start with doing the right thing all the time. And if you do that by the, you know, we have four constituencies, our shareholders, our clients, um, our employees, and our communities, right? And if we think of those four constituencies and do the right thing by them in balance, we'll be fine almost all the time. I talk about, we we actually have a, a pretty big program at the bank, and we've I've done this at the other places I've been. I learned it at Mellon, actually, way back in the day, okay. which is kind of a shared value program, uh, shared values. What are what are our corporate values? And I always tell people, I can't make a, a rule for every activity and behavior I want you to have. I can't do that. Right. But I can tell you how to think about stuff, right? And if you think about stuff in terms of integrity and teamwork and excellence, which are our core values, right, with the underlying principle do the right thing always, they can sort of get to the right place. I don't have to be there. Their bosses don't have to be there. They'll figure it out. And they're good people, right? So right. You, you talked about people being smart. They're pretty much good, too. So right. So if you sort of give them, here's how I want you to be thinking about it. And you have to reward those behaviors that, that demonstrate that kind of behavior, too, and, and give people pats on the back and acknowledge it publicly that, yeah, right. Mary gets it, and she knows what she did the right thing. That's great. That's not always necessarily what's in the best interests personally at the time, right. right? Or expedient in terms of making a sale or whatever. But if you do the right thing, I, I don't know if you have time for an example. If we do. I, I love examples. Great. So when I was a salesperson in Ohio, uh, um, calling from Pittsburgh, I had a company called Keithley Instruments. And Keithley Instruments was um, uh, one of my prospects. And they, I was selling interest rate swaps. You know, all big banks are selling products, and I'm trying to hustle a product and blah, blah, blah. And so I told him, uh, I said, you know, let me advise you about this product. Well, I did an analysis for him, and it showed that it didn't make any sense for him. So I showed him the analysis, and I showed him um, why it didn't make sense for him. And guess what? He didn't buy that product. But over time, he ended up being one of my best customers because I wasn't going to lead him down the primrose path and, and bamboozle him to kind of sell some product and make a commission. Yeah, so that's the kind of thing, if you do that, it, it has short-term costs potentially, but the long-term benefits are enormous. So that's my guiding principles, do the right thing always. That's a great answer. Thank you. And I, I, there's a couple things in there you said I wanted to touch on. One is I, too, on occasion when I was in sales, would tell a customer that I didn't have a solution from them. And first of all, the look on their face. It's like, wait a minute, you don't want to sell me this, right? right. But then the trust that that built right. about future recommendations, it's, right. its you know, I don't say right. do it if it if it's, if it's you're making it up just to make a point. But right. if you really don't think you have a good fit, 
walk away right. and help them find somebody who has a better fit because they'll come back to you the next time because you're more than a salesperson then, right? Right, exactly. You're almost right. a friend or someone who's looking out for them. It's right. not used to but, that. But let's take that as an example. You said, you know, you don't have a product for them, and would you do that just to, like, make that point? Yeah. No. No. Right? If you're thinking about doing the right thing, that's kind of basically a lie. Right. right? So, right. You, wouldn't so you wouldn't do that. Do that right. right? If you think about it from a principal's perspective, you wouldn't go that direction. So. Right. And that's, that's sometimes the simplest ones are the most engaging in it you want an empowered workforce right you yep. want people who give discretionary effort on behalf of the business who think like an owner yep. and, because when a client interacts with a company that truly has that culture they remember it and it's the hardest thing in business to copy i come back from somebody i want that same engaged workforce that community bank has get me that by <laughs> friday right? right and that's why the principles are important because everybody can kind of get it that way right right and do what you describe right the pillars yep All exactly right. well that's great we've got about three minutes left until our third and final commercial break here on critical mass radio show so can you think about a time in your business career where you learned a valuable lesson i'm jumping around a little bit here on the schedule but a valuable lesson because i think it'll fit in a three-minute time but it came from what was at the time either a difficult or painful experience well i have a bunch of ones but i'll I'll just give you a positive one Um, when i first started at mellon i started out in sales uh in 89 and that was a tough time in the economy as you were going right into 1990 yeah and um, I was in charge of, like I said, marketing in Ohio. And we didn't have anything in Ohio at the time. So it was a kind of greenfield, which I like greenfield. Okay. Right? Oh, can, good for you. Right? You get a whole state. That's pretty good territory, right? So, something got to be out there, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. I'll, yeah. right. Yeah. Low-hanging I'll fruit. Find, I'll yeah. find something somewhere somehow. So anyway, so I got there. And I had a tough year because it was a tough year in the economy. And it took a, you know, a whole bunch of spade work to kind of get things going. And um, I didn't do a lot of business. And bonuses came around. And I remember my boss, Jeff Leininger, at the time, he gave me a little bitty bonus. I don't know, it was 1000 bucks, 1500 bucks. It was nothing at the time. But it was just a little kind of attaboy, and you're doing a good job, and you're heading the right direction, and we believe in you. And it's the kind of thing that was a kind of an encouragement. So I guess it's a, it was a negative situation. I was worried I was going to lose my job because right. Mellon was doing layoffs at the time. Wow. So I'm thinking, here I am. I'm not doing any business. They're going to can me and blah, 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 blah. And Jeff gave me this 1500 buck bonus for basically just getting out there and working hard but no results. And that was a very positive experience and kind of a pat on the back and kind of encouraged me to do uh, to stick with it, and it worked out really well. We ended up making a name for ourselves in the Ohio market, then blah, 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 blah. Hmm. So that was a very positive kind of a thing that kind of came out of something negative. I love to ask that question because even if it was in 1989, all those years ago, when you talk about it, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. Not right? even close. And, and, and invariably, when the guests talk about it, it's it's one, and that's why I like to ask it because I believe in business experience is your best teacher. But some lessons are better learned vicariously through the experiences of others. Mm-hmm. And so if they can hear stories from you that they can, our audience can adapt or adopt into their business, they, they're going to be better off for it. Well, interesting. You asked me. There's a bunch of different things to think about here. And I'd like four of them written down. We oh, have wow. time to do all of them. Uh-huh. But they're all old. And I remember them like they're yesterday. Right. Every single one of them. Like just like it's yesterday. So my challenge to you CEOs is to give your employees out of a difficult situation a positive memory that they can use as a foundation to carry them into other times and moving forward. That's your role as a leader. All right, let's take a break. Dave Mish is our guest. He's the CEO of Community Bank. We're going to take our third and final commercial. Don't go anywhere because I'm going to ask him to talk about current trends in commercial banking and lending and how that affects middle market companies after this commercial break. There's something uniquely positive about the word up. When things are good, things are looking up. When you want to go fast, you speed up. And when you're really cheering, you stand up. So when you want to move up, what do you do? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's degree or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up better than virtually everyone else. And that university is Brandman. 
Brandon University is ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top ten universities for online bachelor's programs. And it ranked best in the state of California. Brandman also received top honors from U.S. News and World Report for our online graduate programs in business and education. Plus, our programs are available on ground at more than 25 convenient campuses. So to wrap things up, we recommend you look us up at brandman.edu. That's brandman.edu. And find out how to move up like never before. Brandman University. Move up. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Dave Mish is our guest. He is CEO of Community Bank, and we've had a ranging conversation as our featured guest today here in the program. Really enjoying this time. We have about eight minutes left in the show, and there's a couple of things that I want to ask you about. As I said before the break, I said, let's talk about current trends. Can you share with us from your vantage point as the CEO of Community Bank, what are the current trends in lending for middle market companies? There are, because of the economy's growing slowly, all the banks are tripping over themselves to lend money to good borrowers, right? So if you're a good borrower or a good company and those kinds of things, you can get long-term loans for a very inexpensive rate uh, with pretty decent covenant structure for the good companies. Okay. For the stuff that's not so good, it's still very difficult. Um, for consumer loans, it's very difficult. Mm. So it just sort of depends where you are. And there are there are still... Um, the number of banks has shrunk over the past uh, 10 to 20 years from nationally from 30,000 or 15,000 under 7,000. And because of the slow growth uh, and, and the lack of opportunities in the low interest rate environment, it's very difficult for banks to achieve some of the earnings goals they've had to do. Okay. So they really are fighting over each other okay. to get good loans, good apartment building loans, good uh, business loans, all that kind of stuff. So it's a good opportunity to kind of uh, to kind of find a bank that uh, kind of will help you with that. I will say, I will say, um, though, companies should be wary of your your listeners should be wary of. I'm um, just chasing a rate um, because banking is about knowing the business and understanding the business and sticking by them if some bad things happen. You can go to a bank now that's going to give you this rate, but then if you know, God forbid, something bad happens and they don't know who you are, it's a whole different 
story. Right. And so it, it is a relationship thing, and I'd be a little bit wary of uh, uh, switching just for price. You know, get the price and get the relationship, I guess is what I'm right. saying. Hopefully your incumbent bank who you exactly. have the relationship with can be that provider for you. You exactly. know, you mentioned how many less banks there are currently. Right. The numbers are pretty devastating. Right. And I need you to step out of the banking industry for a second, but yes. you have such great knowledge of the banking industry, kind of bi-coastal. What's the right number of banks that we should have for a country this size with an economy this size? Wow. It depends on the growth. If <laughs> Hopefully we're not going to grow at 2% for another 20 years. Right, if right. we grow 2% for another 20 years, it could be half of what it is now. Wow. Right? So it's uh, it's very difficult. Uh, the, the costs of being a bank these days are very high because right. of regulations, because of technology. Um, the costs of being small, um, and the fixed costs of being a bank of any size are difficult. It's particularly difficult for smaller institutions. It's, it's the same thing we heard years ago when Sarbanes-Oxley came in yep. for small and middle market companies yep. who had, especially you know, public companies, who had the, all the extra burden of the reporting. It's like, how much money do we have to spend to comply? It's better just to get, you, you almost had economies of scale there. You needed to do a roll-up. And it feels like in your industry, it's, there's, a, there's a roll-up happening. Or there's a lot of smaller banks that are being bought by larger banks, and then larger banks by those banks. That is correct. And, 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 and it's interesting, though. This is not just a banking phenomenon. Okay. It is a, it is a, uh, I, think it's a I think 2008 changed things um, dramatically. And so there are consolidations going on in all sorts of things um, in terms of consumer product companies, big ones I'm talking about, banks printing companies, law firms, things are changing. And you sort of have to think different about yeah. the economy and how things work. Well, I'll, I'll put my professional opinion out. That worries me. Yeah, a little I, bit. I don't like the all the stuff rolling to the top, right, yeah. to the big ones. I, right. I like the diversity. I think the innovation and the ideas and the differentiation from a consumer's perspective is in the middle market. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I it does worry me, although... These consolidations have kind of happened in the That's past, true. right? That's true. And the 70s were like, right, people were... And somebody's come up with some right. great idea and figured out a way kind of kind of have the attacker's advantage and right. kind of figure out a way to outfox... There's a lot of stuff going on in the banking industry, alternative types of things, like Bitcoin, right? right? I mean, that's kind of a crazy thing, but it's out there, and it's common. Credit unions are a different thing that are kind of competing with traditional banks. There's a lot of right. alternative formats popping up Good point. because banks are right. kind of being So like there's this. always so, an opposite and equal reaction to it, right? So the, there the, is. the pendulum swings this way, and then entrepreneurs go, hey, let's yeah. serve the need here, and exactly. all of a sudden it comes right. back towards the middle. It's like when companies used to just buy all these different industries and have these conglomerates of somewhat related but not really integrated businesses and they go oh we gotta get back to our core right we gotta get back to what we're good at and so they right. divest all the stuff that they just bought and trying to become a more full service co- corporation exactly well. that's okay. exactly right all right good well there's hope then thank you yes i think so <laughs> we, have, we have hope ladies and gentlemen yeah. <laughs> all right well, we have about three minutes left on the radio show and i'm talking with dave miss she's ceo of community bank as the new ceo where do you hope to take the community bank and what are the to the greet you can tell us uh, what are your future plans i think community bank is an interesting opportunity to be the premier community bank in southern california you have the name we totally do it's it's, it's almost unassailable <laughs> so, so uh you know i think with our culture and i think in our attitude i think again we're privately owned by the cook family so we're a family-owned business so a lot of like the people that you the audience you have we can relate to all that kind right. of stuff so i think we can kind of take that space and, you know, like I said, we're the eighth largest bank, so we have the heft to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um, the big banks are kind of city national and east-west. But, you know, between us and farmers and merchants and citizens, which are kind of the farmers and merchants and ourselves are family-owned, citizens is not. But we're sort of similar. There's a lot of turf out there for us all to kind of play well. And I think, I, I mean, my goal is to, to best all that group. So we'll see. Right. 
and the, I know I got the people to do it. So, do you think that the larger community banks are being looked at by the larger banks to be acquired way? for any reason? Uh, to acquire them, to model their behavior, to try to say, how do we create a community bank within this this behemoth that we are? Uh, or I don't, do they just go, that's uh, a different model, uh, let them go to town? Uh, I think it's a different model. I think, you know, like the really big guys, are they're, they're all about scale. And so I don't think they'll, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for them to imitate kind of us. For example, in, in our bank, um, one of the things we do is provide access to senior management. Uh, me, the chief credit officer, the chief financial officer, the chief operating officer. If they want to call me up with an issue, they're more than welcome to do so. Yeah, you're, incur- here, you're here on a radio show, well, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're going to give out your website soon, and people go, I heard him. There you go. So um, so that's what we do. So we're, 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 we're very open. You know, Richard Davis at U.S. Bank can't do that. I don't care how they structure things. Right. right? So it's different from the guy that's running the place versus, you know, somebody that's kind of further down the wrong line. Answer a question, and, yeah. you can, and can, you can choose to tell me to shut up and go home because we are both from Pittsburgh, and I'll take it. Who isn't a good client for a community bank then? What middle market CEO company should look and go, nope, I need to be with, pick a name. Yeah, I, I always tell the, uh, the my my relationship managers that I'm, we're really looking for kind of the, the best and the best entrepreneurs and the good companies. So I can't characterize it as okay. there is or there isn't. Okay. I will say, uh, and I, I alluded to about before about working with clients versus, you know, when they have issues versus not. Um, and that gets back to sort of at least all the stuff of our conversation. If the owner doesn't have integrity, don't bother showing up. Okay. Because I have no... Right. That's not a community bank thing. That's a community bank thing, right? Yeah, that's yeah, your yeah. brand. That's yeah. your culture. That's exactly right. So we want people to sort of think like that. We'll help people if they have issues and they're honest and they're working, you know, working to solve it and working with us together to kind of get done. But if they're not and they're misrepresenting stuff, then that's not right. going to fly. Yeah, Stephen M. R. Cubby talks about in his uh, book uh, the, tre- the Speed of Trust that there's a trust tax right. that companies and p- employees who don't trust each other there's a lot of wasted communication because you're trying to do what earlier sure. you said. I'm trying to figure out if you're lying to me, right? Exactly. And what, right. The, what a waste of energy, exactly. Right? Especially if you're not. Right. Right, right, exactly. But I think you are. Yeah. How unhealthy is that? Yeah. All right. Well, we could we could keep doing this for a long time, but my engineer's telling me I got two minutes with you. So let's start by saying if somebody wants to learn more about your bank, which is Community Bank, how do they find you online? Uh, well, www.cbank.com would be our website, and there, there's a general number posted on the website to call. Okay. So. And how do you feel that website is for people that log on to it? Are you happy with it as no, the new CEO? No, in fact, in fact uh, you know, we're going through, because I'm the new CEO with a bunch of fresh eyes, we need to take a look at that and freshen it up a little bit. It's a little bit, it's a, it's a little bit too busy. I mean, okay. the, the, the new thoughts about websites these days, which I agree with actually, are to kind of give the concepts of what the bank's like and some of the things of what it's, and then you kind of go through different portals at the faceplate to kind of get to what you need. So okay. ours is a little busy on its surface. Um, it's, it's fine enough, but, right. but it can be better. Right. right? That's that's sort of the story of the community bank. It's a good bank, but it's just going to be a little bit better. Right. And if they want to find a local branch, that's probably a great way exactly. to do it. Exactly. That's right? where you, you would see where the 17 it. are located. That's Orange exactly County's, right. L.A., Ontario, yep. Ventura County. Yep. Right? Well, this has been great. Dave, you're going to have to come back. I would love to come okay. back. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it has been fun. It's, yeah. it's flown by. I'm, I'm so glad we were able to have you as our focus guest and featured guest for today's program here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Yeah. Thanks for being a friend of Thank the program. You, and welcome to our community Thank of you. the Critical Mass businesses. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thanks Th- very much. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed the show today. And uh, I'd like to say that listening to this conversation hopefully gave you some information that can help with your decision-making skills. The show will be available on iTunes, Stitcher.com, from our website, from the Community Bank website, and you'll be able to send it to friends so that they can listen to the interview as well. And I would like to thank our advertisers, Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, 
Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and Center Club of Costa Mesa. Our engineer for today's show is Paul Roberts. Crystal Nunley is our producer. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. Asia Celestino is our social media manager, and our live events coordinator is Melissa Pedanti. Our VP of Sales is Rose Chamora, and I'm your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business or want to refer a future guest, or maybe even advertise on the program, then visit our website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. Until the next show, I hope all of your decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi, 